Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hey everybody, don't mind me, I'm interrupting your day with an extra podcast. It's called The Anything Show with John Francois. It's a podcast and he has done advertising for me and I played one of his episodes while I was on hiatus, but I was on his show. And I wanted to share with you so that you guys can hear how I talk a little candid about my own situation and they do ask questions about specific stories and things like that. So I wanted to make sure you guys had the opportunity to hear it and give John Francois a chance as well by uh, checking out his podcast. I laughed a lot while I was talking with these two guys. They are great, funny, and fun and uh, definitely stick around and enjoy. From Vermont to upstate New York, this is The Anything Show with John Francois, featuring Andrew Vanderton of the Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy podcast. Now, here's that John guy. Oh, here I am. John Francois here. All right, Sunday, February 6th, as we record this, I am in Colchester, Vermont. Andrew Vanderton, my good pal from the Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy podcast, joining us from his home in Rochester, New York. Hey, Andrew. Hey. <laughs> Me and Andrew were talking about how my microphone needs some Mike Agra, M-I-C Agra, because uh, it keeps getting flaccid on me. It just keeps on, whoop, it keeps on drooping down like some kind of flaccid penis. Everywhere in there's a mic that isn't staying erect right now and an angel skidding its wings. Yeah, it, it, it's basically, the mic is telling me that I'm not sexy, that I'm boring, and it, it really puts pressure on me to perform the best that I can throughout this podcast. You gotta tickle it a little bit. Oh, oh, oh there you go. <laughs> I can't do. I can't tickle and give a great show at the same time. What, what do you think I, I, I am? Some kind of multitasking whore? You are the multitasking whore genius. Oh, Lord Jesus! All right, we got a great show coming up. Rebecca Adams, host and producer of the podcast Raw Truth: Stories of Female Infidelity, joining us. Marcus Houston, my childhood idol. You may know him from the '90s as Roger from Sister Sister, Batman from the R&B trio Immature. Uh, he, currently, he is the co-star of the new musical drama Howard High. It was such a pleasure to speak to Marcus uh, for our celebrity gossip. Tom Brady's notable exception is in his in in his retirement. Retirement announcement for Let's Get Viral. We're going to uh, hear a uh, a lion roar using a paper towel roll. 
And for our headlines, Andrew, we're going to find out what a couple found in their used couch. Uh, I think it might be disgusting. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> yes, just one word, simple. All right, support for the Anything Show coming from our good friends at Heart Soul Heat, uh, the makers of that wonderful ghost honey. Um, let's see, what the hell is that honey? It's a ghost pepper infused spicy hot honey. Andrew, I refuse, I refuse to uh, talk about this without some music in the background. Hang on, I mean, because because you know, if I talk without music, I'm gonna be as flaccid as, as this mic that I'm talking with right now. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Get it all. Yeah. <laughs> I need a little lube. I need a little lube music. A little lube lube. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, heartsoulheat.com. Uh, they got this wonderful ghost pepper uh, infused spicy hot honey. I just had it on my pizza last night, Andrew. You could also have it on fried chicken. Uh, Andrew, I think you had it on a, a meal that you made not too long ago. T- tell me about your experience. Yeah, so a while ago, I put it on some vegetables and rice I was having. I used it the other day when I made waffles, and I just put a little bit of on my waffles, and it was so delicious. Yeah, and, and you know what? One of the reviews on HeartSoulHeat.com, uh, someone actually said it's the best hot honey ever. Unlike uh, most hot honeys, it does not have any added sugar. They found it really wonderful on their pancakes. Uh, let's see. So, so I, I saw another review that said that it, it's, it goes great on ice cream. Um, it's very uh, a delicious and versatile taste. Um, I, let's see. Another review here. I love this stuff so much. I bought a three-pack to split and give as Christmas presents. My favorite is putting it on a little garlic cheese bread. What? Oh, Orgasm yum. in my mouth. Oh, my God. Uh, very addictive stuff. Uh, sweet with a good ghost pepper tingle. Uh, you can put it on anything, really. Uh, the ghost honey is a delicious spicy hot honey made from 100% American raw ingredients. Bold, flavorful, without overpowering your favorite foods. It is five-star. And the great thing about our good friends at Heart Soul Heat, 30-day risk-free guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll give you your money back. So HeartSoulHeat.com, H-E-A-R-T-S-O-U-L-H-E-A-T.com for that ghost honey that will change your life. You know what I'm saying, Andrew? Yum. I know, I know. All right, you know what? Uh, stop it. I'm done with this sexy music. I don't want to be turned on anymore. Let's let's get down to business, Andrew. Would you like to uh, figure out what the hell is going on in the world of headlines? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's our it's our it's our headlines. It's our headlines. Oh my god. Uh, it's so hard just talking and, and uh, doing audio at the same time. But I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> and Andrew is laughing at me endlessly on Zoom trying to get my ish together. So there you go. There's something there. That was perfect. I know. All right, Andrew, let's start off with uh, this uh, couple in Ireland that bought it themselves a used couch. They did not realize what came with the couch until, like, one day they were trying to find their remotes. They took off the cushions. They looked through the couch, and they found thousands of fingernails. Yeah, thousands of fingernails. And the first thought I had, Andrew, was why the hell is somebody, whoever owned this used couch before, why are they clipping their fingernails on the couch? You you clip your fingernails in the bathroom near the sink or on the toilet. That's where you do it. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I clip my fingernails, but I do it like really quick over a garbage can. But most of the time I'm going to like a manicure shop. Yeah, I mean, that e- would just me out, yeah, yeah, even even a garbage can. I've done I've done a garbage can too, Andrew. I mean, anything but a couch where people are just sitting casually trying to watch TV and trying not to vomit at the same time. 
I want to know, are these all the same person's fingernails? Probably. Maybe this person was a serial dater, and all the people they were dating, like, they made them cut their fingernails while sitting on the couch. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the serial dater with the fingernail cutting fetish. Oh, God. that's that, that might be like a Dateline episode, Andrew, don't you think? A little murder mystery? Okay, I'm here for it. Yes. All right, Andrew, um, have you ever tried to make excuses for plans that you just want to get out of because they seem so dreadful? In the past, yes. Okay, okay, but now you're just like, I want to enjoy life any chance I get. <laughs> oh, no, now I will just tell you straight up, I don't want to go out. There you go. It's the easiest thing to do, but uh, apparently a new survey, you know, people are still having those go-to excuses whenever they want to get out of something. Common excuses like, I'm too tired, followed by, it's too cold. Well, yeah, I mean, it's winter, especially if you're in the Northeast like me and Andrew, you know, it's too cold, can fly. And also, let's not forget that classic, I have COVID. I'm sorry. I don't want to infect you. I'm sorry my COVID's acting up today. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow, girl. Tomorrow, my COVID will just be right in the right spot. But today, sorry, it's a 2.5 out of 10. See, for me, I have to be honest. I am that person. You will call me. If it's after 9.15, I am too tired to go out because I'm already in bed. There we go. And I'm just up playing video games. Or if it's too cold, I'm not leaving my house. I've said this before, or and I'll say it again. Uh, Andrew, you are a uh, a big contrast of a person because uh, like, I feel like uh, one day you could be like, eh, I'm going to go to bed at 9.15, but the next day it's like, oh, I'm going to stay up till 7 in the morning and party. Oh, yeah. You got to have a balance. It's like, what's happening today? I love it. All right, Andrew, um, you know, younger men, they have a thing for older women, like really by the numbers. 60% of younger men say they have an older woman fetish. And there's actually a website just specifically for them. It's called olderwomendating.com. Um, and I got to be honest, Andrew, I mean, the girlfriend that I'm currently with right now, she is younger than me, only by about, what, four years and uh, before that, though, and maybe still currently, you know, I'm not going to cheat on her. But I, I, I along with uh, not minding younger women, I also definitely don't mind older women because there's a maturity and there's a confidence there that uh, combined with their beauty. Oh, my God. It's just like maybe it's like somewhat like related to like that mommy fetish that some guys have where it's just like, oh, my God, I just want an older woman to take care of me and, and have great sex with me and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? You know what? I think you've got a point. I think you've got a serious point there. The mommy fetish is a big thing because, I mean, I guess your first example of a woman is your mother. So that could be, like, a thing. For me, I love older men, so I can understand why loving an older woman would be great. I think it's great. Yeah, so it's... So so with your thing with older men, it's like it's called a daddy thing, right? Like a daddy complex, or is it just you just like men older than you? I like men who are older than me. When I think daddy, I think like gray beard, like yeah, <laughs> like I mean, which could still be hot, yeah. but I think like daddy, daddy. Yeah, like salt and pepper beard. Oh God, daddy, give me, give me your geriatric Jello. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have tapioca in their fridge ready. Uh, yeah. Oh, tapioca. I have not heard that since like I uh, was babysatted at my grandmother's house like 20 years ago. Jesus Christ, Andrew took me back exactly. with that tapioca shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Andrew, have you heard of this uh, game World? W-O-R-D-L-E Wordle? It's, it seems to be the, the big word association game phenomenon that's taken people by storm. 
um, after I saw it today, I Googled it, and it is a very popular game. Yeah, it was uh, created by this guy called Jason Wardle. Now, his last name is actually spelled W-A-R-D-L-E. So Wardle, W-O-R-D-L-E, is basically a play on his last name. And uh, he launched it in October. And I heard, like, when he launched it in October, it had, like, 93 players. And then, like, two months later, all of a sudden, like, 300,000 players. And then it just kept on growing and kept on growing. And it got to a point where the New York Times, uh, which is often called the paper of record, they actually bought Wordle. And now it's not free anymore. Now you got to buy it via the New York Times. And I'm just bummed because just when I was going to figure out what the buzz was all about without paying anything, now I got to pay something. Leave it to the New York Times. How dare you take something free and charge us for it? Oh, God. Well, yeah, like, 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 you know, when you used to be able to uh, look at their articles online for free. But now it's like, oh, girl, you know, look at like one article a month. And then after that, you got to pay 99 cents a month. Right. Like, they'll stop you in mid-article. Oh, you can read the rest of this if you pay us $35 a day. Girl, no. <laughs> no. Exactly. I got to get gas. I got to get groceries. Get out of here, New York Times. F off. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, now, here's a question, Andrew. If you're in a serious relationship, should you have the person that you're with know the password to your phone? If I choose to share it, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a requirement. I'm like right with you. Um, A lot of people think that you should not have to share it. So they're with us. 45% say you can keep it private. Uh, Now with me and Tony, uh, it's not that I told Tony uh, that that my password was my birthday. It's just that I'm so dumb with good password security that uh, eventually she just knew uh, based on her smarts that, oh, your password is your birthday. So if I need to get into your phone, Jonathan, then there you go. Just type in your birthday. Most men, their passwords is their birthdays. I read an article about it years ago, but most men do that. For me, though, if you ask to go through my phone or you tell me I have to share that information, I'm going to be single that same day. Because I'm like, that's just not for me. (laughs) Understandable, understandable. You do you, boo-boo. You got to have your boundaries. Right. Like, my partner... I don't want to know what's in your phone. Girl, if whatever's in there you're doing, I don't care. It's not for me to see. The same way my phone is not for you. Even if your partner was cheating, uh, going on the down low and everything? I would not care at all. I'm the type of person. I'd be like, okay, well, if you're going to cheat, at least protect yourself and let's be safe here. As opposed to hiding stuff for no reason. Wow. So you're clearly going to be uh, different from this Uber driver that I saw in our next headline here. I don't know if you heard about that Uber driver in Pittsburgh named Jen, uh, who caught the guy she's dating with another woman on Friday or, or some Friday. And this is how she caught him. When they ordered an Uber on a date, it turned out that Jen was their driver. So, look, I, I hey, I, I think that this guy should be murdered. I, I literally think that Jen uh, should take that opportunity. Like, hey, you're, you're the one you're behind the wheel. You could control this. Uh, so you, you take uh, the, 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 the guy that's cheating on you and, and the, 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 the woman, the mistress, along to some uh, dirty back road. And, uh, you know, whatever happens, that's not my thing to judge. That, that, that happens between y'all three. You know what? They willingly got into the Uber. I can't be upset at that. I would make it kind of awkward, like, if they're going to a restaurant where she went. I was like, so, yeah, he took me here, and this is what we had. This is what I recommend. 
for you, sweetheart. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You want some uh, poison in your salmon? I call it. I call salmon salmon, Andrew. So uh, just 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 so you know, Tony made fun of me uh, yesterday for that. But yes, it is salmon. You want some poison in your salmon? I'm gonna give you some poison. All right. Mm. <laughs> this very classy fish. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Uh, oh yeah, not so classy when I pee on it. <laughs> not so classy when I pee on your salmon. How about that to end our headlines? <laughs> and you might not notice. Wait, say that one more time. Sorry. Pee and salmon. Yeah, pee and salmon. Just like peas and carrots, they go together wonderfully. I I know I'm kinky like that, Andrew. I'm kinky. All right. If you have a headline you want to send to us, Facebook.com slash The Anything Show, Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. Uh, John and Andrew here. And like I said, coming up, we got a great conversation with Rebecca from the Raw Truths Stories of Female Infidelity podcast. Really, really wonderful. If you love storytelling, if you love uh, uh, just just deep diving into the world of relationships, uh, I, I highly recommend Rebecca's podcast. Also, the man himself, Marcus Houston, Roger from Sister Sister, uh, Batman from the group Immature. Uh, I mean, if you're a 90s fanatic, he's the conversation that you wanted to be tuning into, and he's currently in a new musical drama, Howard High. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Andrew, I believe that we have some uh, viruses that we have to get to, but you know what? Uh, Safe viruses, as I like to say. Uh, As I scroll through to find this music, can you just say uh, the dirtiest thing on your mind right now so you can kill time? Okay. Unicorn dildo covered in sandpaper dipped in jalapeno pepper sauce. Now, did you write that down or did you actually come up with that in the moment? That actually was just in the moment. Wow. All right. It's time for Let's Get Viral, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> yas, yas. All right, here we go. Here's the music. Uh 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 uh. How about that to get you in the mood for what? What do you say again? Unicorn dildo, uh, Salmon, Salmon, Salmon. That sounds like a law firm. <laughs> that sounds like a real good law firm. What's? I love that. Unicorn. D- <laughs> oh, unicorn dildo, Salmon, Salmon, and Salmon. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! All right, rem- remember that bomb cyclone blizzard that happened? Uh, I think a couple weekends ago. We're we're doing this on Sunday, February sixth. So I think the previous weekend there was like a big bomb cyclone blizzard that happened all over the Northeast. Um, I we we in Vermont were not affected by it. How about you in upstate New York, Andrew? Um, it was the storm for the day after tomorrow, and we were affected. Oh, okay. Well, uh, in Boston, you know what? I always feel bad for Boston because when northeast when nor'easters happen, you always know that Boston is going to get like trampled on. They're they're just going to get shat on like nobody's business. And I love how this uh, TV reporter uh, he was interviewing these uh, guys out in the field uh, during the blizzard, and along with the blizzard, he decided to uh, follow up with some. E- I guess equally pressing Boston news. Take a listen. Where, where, were you here earlier this morning? Did you see what I was just describing? No. No, but we've been here. We know what you're talking about. All floods down here, and the whole marsh is just buried. Yeah, yeah. and we uh, we actually saw that when we were coming in. We couldn't get here originally because uh, I think Otis was the name of the road. It was just completely flooded out. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Now, I have one more question for you. Have you heard the news about Tom Brady? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the snow is just uh, insane. It's blowing. It, it could kill people. And then uh, this guy's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Tom Brady, probably the greatest player in football. He retired. Your thoughts? Like, yeah, it's, it's such priorities, Boston. I love when you, you know, you're talking to somebody who's lived in snow in the north 
when it's a blizzard outside and people are literally risking their lives and they're like, so how about that game? <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as I said to someone uh, shortly after Tom Brady officially announced his retirement, I am so glad I'm not a Boston sports radio fan because the uh, orgasm they probably had every minute on the minute talking about the greatness of Tom Brady over the past 22 years. It's just, ugh, it's insane. It, I, I, I would rather, um, I would rather eat Salmon that has been peed on rather than listen to that. Munchy salmon. <laughs> like- why are you? Why are you so turned on by pissed salmon? Like, what? 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 Why are you so just, sexy about that? I am imagining fish marinated in pee, and that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, so crazy, Andrew. You and your fantasies. I don't know what to tell you about that, man. All right, let, let, let's go to let's go to TikTok Grampy. All right, have you seen those TikTok Gramp videos? Uh, Apparently, it's this old guy who does great imitations of animals, characters, and even objects on TikTok. Gets tons of hits. Uh, he also shows you how to do them in his TikTok videos. He's been at it for a few years now. The latest one is where he takes an empty paper towel roll, and he shows you how to do a good impression of a roaring lion. Uh, see, uh, you got to listen to this, Andrew, because this is uncanny. Let's get ready for Lion King with the roar challenge. Empty paper towel roll. A snort and a hiss. Your turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did that all through a paper towel roll, and all of a sudden I felt like I was in the effing jungle. Right. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, a woman in South Carolina posted audio after she got rejected for a job interview. Oh, you, you got to listen to this, Andrew. This I, I don't think this woman should have been punished. I Honestly, this is a great example of uh, job interviewers. Please do not punish people for being themselves and having personalities because that could probably help you in the long run. So uh, the South Carolina woman, she uh, posted audio after she got rejected for a job interview. And uh, this was because her voicemail greeting was uh, seen as like too jokey, too unprofessional. So I'm going to start with the audio of this woman's voicemail and uh sorry i mean i hate to be biased but i think i would hire this woman because she just sounds so damn fun what's up what's up what's up what's up y'all it's your girl nye and i'm back with another ranking banger i'm sorry i couldn't answer the phone please leave her name number yeah you know i like yeah what happened yeah uh yeah, I mean now now some of that I, I didn't even understand what she said, but you know what? I think she I think she said she was ready for a banging banger, Andrew. Mm-hmm. She has to be a '90s child. Do you remember when people would sing on their voicemails? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in the days when I used to like record a voicemail for myself because I don't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I used to be like, "Hey, Jonathan in the house, y'all. Yes, touch my nipples." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what do you? What did you used to say in your in your voicemail? I was so basic. My voicemail was just my phone number, and I would literally just say my phone number and let the beep, and then people had to leave a message. And now, since you're a, a more exciting version of yourself, you you you're, you'll you'll let it flow. Oh yes, it's perfect. It is just like this. The number that you reach is unreachable. Please do not leave a message. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, God. And people probably must buy that. They probably must think, oh, God, this number is disconnected. I, I, I guess I cannot leave a message. 
Oh, they certainly do, and I love it. Oh, Lord. All right, well, uh, in response to that jokey, uh, unprofessional, so uh, apparently unprofessional voicemail, um, this uh, job interviewer who uh, called her back and left a message, he had this to say about her uh, outgoing voicemail. Yes, Miss Jones, I recommend if you apply for a job and you expect somebody to call you, that you have a more appropriate uh, response on your uh, voicemail. So uh, thank you for applying, and no need to give us a call back here at Harris Theater. Thank you, man. Bye. Boo! Boo! That guy's not fun. That 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 guy needs a, plenty of Mike Agra in his life, if you know what I mean. That makes me question just how good that company is. That girl dodged a bullet. If this is how they react about a voicemail, yeah, yeah, I, I you know, yes, I, I understand. Uh, it, 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 it is always good to have a, a decent voicemail outgoing message. But I, I mean, I feel like if you're specifically not going to give somebody a chance based on that, then uh, you are as close-minded as someone who doesn't like salmon that's pissed on. Andrew, yeah, open up your mind, people. Yeah. <laughs> Open up your minds and open up your 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 urethras, uh, apparently, for, for for that salmon experience that you'll never forget. Oh boy. Oh Lord. All right. Everybody who likes salmon, now they're they're just they're just hating it based on what they've been listening to on the podcast. So I, I apologize. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes you gotta be uh flexible. Alright, uh, we got a wonderful show. <laughs> you know what the show hasn't even started yet, Andrew. Like this is just rehearsal. It's okay. It's okay. We've got the pee ready. You know where it's going. All righty. If you have a viral video of the week you want to share, Facebook.com slash The Anything Show, Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. All right. Um, you know, I, I guess we should acknowledge sponsors because they are wonderful partners who, you know, they, they, they help keep us going. They help support The Anything Show. Um, it, it, you know, Andrew, I cannot be more happy to welcome a new sponsor. Um, Hydronique Hydration. Would you like to hear about these guys? Yeah. Hydronique Hydration. Yeah. Let's let's pump that music up. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Hydronique Hydration. The electrolyte power drink packets started in the midst of the pandemic. The founder of Hydronique Hydration, a frontline healthcare worker, started developing constant headaches. Oh, that sounds not fun at all. A landmark research study published early during the pandemic showed that up to 81% of frontline healthcare workers developed new headaches, mainly because of their PPE, which stands for personal protective equipment like a face mask and face shields, which prevented them from eating and drinking properly while on the job. Uh, The founder would leave work tired, dehydrated, and burnt out. The founder looked for a healthy drink with all the necessary vitamins and minerals, but with no sugar, something that was keto-friendly and healthy. But most powdered drinks on the market have a ton of sugar and caffeine, enough to kill you, Andrew. That's why he created Hydronique Hydration, sugar-free, keto-friendly, plant-based, antioxidant-rich, electrolyte powder packets for daily use, containing all the essential vitamins and minerals with a refreshing taste. Their product contains something called elderberry, which has immune-boosting properties for support during cold and flu season. Are we still in cold and flu season right now, Andrew, you as the medical professional? Yes, we are still in cold and flu season. We've still got a couple of months left. Damn it. Along with the Rona? Come on now, Andrew. Can, can you can you make it go away? Kovisha's uh, here. <laughs> so you guys might as well just bunker all down with the girl. You know what? I, I, I got to snap my fingers at Kovisha because right now she's, she's making me angry. 
Uh, Hydronic hydration electrolyte powder packets can also fit in your bag or suitcase when traveling. Oh, and rem remember traveling? It seems like something that we don't do as much as before March 2020. I know, the world's not moving. Yeah. So if you're having trouble with eating and drinking healthy during your busy day in 2022, but you want a sugar-free, keto-friendly vitamin drink, give Hydronique Hydration a try. There are 30 electrolyte powder packets in a pouch, perfect for a one-month supply. You can visit the website, hydroniquehydration.com. Don't know how to spell it? That's what I'm here for. H-Y-D-R-O-N as in Nancy, I-Q-U-E, hydration. H-Y-D-R-A-T-I-O-N dot com. It's literally the word hydration and unique mashed together. Hydro Hydronique. Yeah. I feel like th that's like the ghetto best friend of Kovisha. Hydronique and Kovisha. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or search for Hydronique Hydration on Amazon.com where they are offering a $10 discount coupon at checkout for uh, the next week. So Hydronique Hydration. Thanks so much for supporting The Anything Show with Jean-Francois. All right, Andrew, uh, before we get to our conversation with Marcus Houston, shall we figure out what the hell is going on with them damn celebrities? Yeah. It's time for Celebrity Gossip. All right. Um, obviously, Tom Brady, the biggest celebrity in the last week. Tom Brady announced his retirement in a lengthy Instagram post in which he thanked the Buccaneers, his teammates, his coaches, the Tampa fans, his agents, his wife, his kids, the rest of his family. He made no mention, however, of New England or uh, any of his Patriots fans, uh, which is uh, very odd considering that 20 of his 22 years was spent with the Patriots and six of his seven rings was one being the quarterback of the Patriots. How do you, how do you, how do you figure that, Andrew? You know, maybe he's kind of, he's in like every episode of the Super Bowl. And there's like multiple. So he's been in the season for a while. Yeah, you know, I I think uh, it, it, your, your, your knowledge of football is very telling when you said he's in it every episode of the Super Bowl. I don't know if Super Bowls are referred to as episodes. <laughs> it's the same season, just different writing. There is always an episode of the Super Bowl. It's like every year that thing comes out. I, I just don't get it. I, I, well, you're literally right. Yes, it is once a year. It is an annual thing. <laughs> it's probably the most watched event in television, Andrew. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey, speaking of all things Super Bowl, obviously, uh, you know, one of the greatest memories of Super Bowl history is that halftime show where Janet Jackson showed her nipple uncovered by Justin Timberlake back in 2004. So in the new Lifetime documentary about Janet Jackson, Janet says she actually advised Justin not to say anything after their 2004 wardrobe malfunction. And here I thought, Andrew, that Justin was to blame for letting Janet take all the heat. But no, it turns out that Janet was like, no, 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 I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I, I love the documentary. I love Janet. Justin should have said something. He really should have. But I still love her. And I was happy that she at least clarified what happened. You already saw the documentary? Oh, yeah. I watched all of it. It's amazing. Um, how can I get it, like, online for free? And if it has to be pirated, that's okay? Because I, I don't have cable. I, I wasn't able to watch it on Lifetime or A&E. I can send you a website that is amazing. That's where I stream all my stuff illegally. Okay, good, good, good. Let's break the law together, Andrew. Not not separately, but together. Always together. 
<laughs> oh, so Katy Perry. Uh, I think Katy Perry was uh, the musical guest on Saturday Night Live a couple weekends ago. Actually, uh, me and my girlfriend and her best friend, we watched the episode yesterday. And uh, Katy Perry uh, was notable in that performance. She always likes to put on a visual spectacular. Uh, she had dancing mushrooms uh, when she performed her new song, When I'm Gone, with Alesso. Uh, and the mushrooms are notable in that they look like penises. Uh, and this is definitely, definitely, definitely uh, stressed by the fact that when you look at their thighs, they look like balls. Uh, now, I am uh, going to just say if you're going to have dancing penis mushrooms on live television, then I want you to be my best friend. I did not see this going there. I didn't see the performance, so now I need to watch it. Yeah. Because she's sharks dancing with her now she's got penis mushrooms i'm just all in for it yeah actually i i and the shark performance i was actually mentioning to tony like oh my god like this is the craziest thing i've seen since katie perry dressed like a shark during one super bowl halftime show a few years back so yeah yeah uh what do we got here you know what i think i'm not gonna watch any sean penn movies anymore because given his liberal views i was actually pretty surprised when he said this he said there's a real issue today with men becoming feminized, he blames, quote, cowardly jeans for men choosing to wear a skirt over a pair of jeans. So I don't know. I guess Sean Penn feels like he should dictate how men should be other than themselves. You know, at first I was going to make an H joke, but that's low hanging fruit for Sean Penn. <laughs> OK, I, I'm looking at this this way. What does genetic makeup have to do with clothing? Does Sean Penn not know something that we know? The same pair of Wranglers he's worn for the last 48 years must be genetically attached for him to know that. Yeah. He's got to know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? Oh, you know, tying to Sean Penn, I mean, I, I think there was a time back in the day where Sean Penn and Madonna were together. Um, so Madonna, she actually posted some sexy pictures of herself on Instagram. Nelly... Uh, felt like he had to chime in and say some things should be covered up. And then, of course, uh, needless to say, Madonna's fans, they went apeshit on Nelly, uh, as they should have, because, you know, who are you to say anything about someone's appearance? If you have nothing nice to say about someone's appearance, especially on social media, you probably should shut the heck up. Right. He wore a Band-Aid on his face for five years for no reason. Nobody commented on it. Leave Madonna alone. Yeah. I'm, su- I'm surprised there was no one No one said, like, uh, Nelly, uh, did you, like, fall after riding a bike? Like, why do, you, why do you have a Band-Aid? Like, was it really a bad cut that you've had to wear for, like, the past 20 years? Right. Like, just let, if she's going to do it, let her do it. Don't look at her page. You don't have to look. Exactly. Hey, you know uh, Sarah McLaughlin, the singer who's well-known for uh, being in those, uh, in the arms of an angel. You know those uh, uh, commercials where she makes you feel bad for not adopting abandoned or abused puppies? Yes, all the sad dogs. Yeah. Well, f- well. Finally, many years later, it looks like Sarah McLaughlin uh, is accepting, uh, you know, the the silliness of what she's known for, and now I guess she is uh, a part of an advertising campaign for abandoned shopping carts. Every day, seventy percent of all online shopping carts are abandoned at the checkout page. Victims of a cruel and exhausting checkout process. Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Please say you'll be the answer to an innocent cart whose dreams are crushed by questions like, is your billing address the same as your home address? Mailing address. Shipping address. Email address. Confirm email address. CBV. Your actions can help give a cart warmth and care. 
Oh, that is a nice blender. Go to Bolt.com and see the difference one-click shopping can make to millions of carts. Go to Bolt.com to experience one-click shopping on any site. Please come on, we got Sarah in McLaughlin, McLaughlin, oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to figure out if this is a joke or if this is a real thing, Andrew. So I saw the video a few times because I love it. And that part takes me out. We have Sarah F. And McLaughlin. Yeah. It's like, that, you have my money. Just take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Well, we go to Joe Rogan, who may not even have your money anymore, Andrew. Uh, obviously, Spotify, they exclusively hold the Joe Rogan podcast. And Joe Rogan, he's been attracting some controversy lately for uh, inviting uh, people with uh, misinformated opinions about COVID-19. And I think artists like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell have uh, uh, v- uh, taken their music off of Spotify. I think India I Read did the same thing, too. Not for the COVID thing, but because of uh, the fact that he used the N-word like many, many times in his podcast past. Uh, and now Joe Rogan says that he's not trying to be controversial on the podcast. He vows to inject more balance by talking to people with different opinions. Um, and he also says he's not mad to people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell for taking their music off. If they want to do that, then that's their right. Uh, look, if Joe Rogan approaches uh, these uh, controversial guests who give all this COVID-19 misinformation, if he comes from... If he, if he approaches those interviews from the perspective of, you know, I'm fascinated to see, like, all the different opinions about COVID-19, then that's okay. Uh, it's another thing if he is uh, using these guests as a way to say, hey, uh, inject horse manure into your body to uh, solve COVID-19. Then that's where we get a little bit tricky. And that's where Spotify definitely needs to, as they're already going to do anyway, you know, put that uh, warning uh, at each episode description saying, hey, you know, just so you know, this this may be in contradiction to what the CDC says about COVID-19. It's it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure how much of his brain has been damaged from the ivermectin. So I'm very <laughs> weary about any advice that I hear from uh, Joe Rogan. Right. All but myself i just don't support it don't censor them where it's like blocking free speech and all that crap i mean honestly it doesn't actually matter in this scenario but i take him as like alex jones now how alex jones was what he was for the internet joe rogan is what he is for a podcast Mm. all right all right that's a good way to say it uh, and actually, I was I was thinking about listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience on the way home, just to see what all the fuss is all about. Because I've heard Joe Rogan this, Joe Rogan that, and I'm like, where does this Joe Rogan guy come from? I don't I, I don't know anything about him other than what people say about his podcast. So, I got. I, see, I wish he was just doing Fear Factor again. He was an amazing host of Fear Factor. I've never listened to the podcast. I just don't want to put my support behind it. But I mean. It's got to be something if people are still listening to it. I guess. And you know what? What's funny is that I watched Fear Factor growing up, and I and I guess the the thing about Fear Factor that stuck with me the most is is people like eating bugs and stuff. Like the contestants doing crazy shit was what attracted me more to Fear Factor than the host. So to find out that oh, I may have watched this guy growing up all these years on Fear Factor, and and I'd never noticed it until now is just is is quite insane. <laughs> oh boy! All right, that's our celebrity gossip. Let's get out of here. Oh boy! boy, 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 boy.
All right, uh, we will love your celebrity gossip suggestions. Facebook.com slash Anything Show. Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. John and Andrew here. Uh, you know, Andrew, I'm so glad to be joining you in about, um, I don't know, 20 minutes or so for a conversation with Rebecca from the Raw Truths Stories of Female Infidelity podcast. How awesome was that conversation? That was fantastic. Talking about the cheating of women. <laughs> you know, when you describe it like that, I mean, how can you not tune in? I mean, yeah. Uh, now, now, you know, we should say we're not approaching this from the uh, opinion of like, oh, women are whores if they cheat. Nah, nah, nah. No, no. Actually, so Rebecca, uh, what she does is provide a safe space for women to share their infidelity stories as a way to say, you know what? Women, just like men, are human, too. I mean, it's not fair that men, when they cheat, they're perceived as like, oh, the boys will be boys. They're just spreading their seed. That's what men do. But then women, they have to be judged harshly as if they're the worst scum of the earth. Um, so I like the fact that there's a safe space for women to share these stories um, and uh, Rebecca does it so well, uh, and of course they uh, are shared anonymously. So please tune in for that. Uh, that's going to be a great conversation right here on the Anything Show. That coming up about twenty minutes or so after the man himself, Marcus Houston. Andrew calls him a hottie. I, even as a straight man, will call him a hottie as well. You know him as Roger from the '90s sitcom Sister Sister. Maybe you saw him growing up uh, as Batman in the '90s R&B trio Immature. Uh, maybe in the early 2000s, you saw him in the movie You Got Served. Uh, now he is uh, one of the stars of the Tubi musical drama Howard High. And uh, just so you know, in case you are so interested in hearing about Howard High, we don't get into it until maybe about like 10 or 15 minutes into the interview. Because, Andrew, I got to admit, like as a 90s, uh, early 2000s kid, I was fangirling. I was just asking Marcus everything about Immature and Sister Sister growing up as a 90s actor and singer. Like I just I just had to ask all these questions and he did not mind. He was actually very nice about it. That is so awesome. I love Marcus Houston. He was one of the first indicators that I realized I was gay. So I love him. <laughs> yeah. And as I mentioned in the interview, I think I still have his 2003 album, um, MH, his 2003 solo debut album, which I bought in middle school. I think I still have it in, in my home in Connecticut. So uh, there, there you go. I know. I know. I know. So uh, I'll see you in about 20 minutes or so when we uh, talk to Rebecca from the Raw Truth Stories of Infidelity, Stories of Female Infidelity podcast, I should say. But right now, Mista Marcus Houston on The Anything Show. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to fangirl, like, you're one of my girls, <laughs> like, I grew oh, up... appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, I grew up watching you uh, as Roger on Sister Sister. I I've, I've I followed your music when you did Immature and IMX, and, yeah. and I actually, I think, uh, back in Connecticut from when I was in middle school, I think I still have a copy of your 2003 solo debut album, uh, which wow. I... I know, which I played on repeat back in the day, so it's like... <laughs> One of my it, favorite albums, so that's that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> there you go, there you go, man. Uh, so if you don't mind, I mean, obviously we're gonna get to like Howard High, uh, your movie, yeah. but uh, as someone that I've uh, grown up watching, I, I kind of just want to, you know, start from the beginning if we can. I mean, so yeah, I, oh, cool. So I so I believe you are um, you're you're born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, which is obviously the entertainment capital of the world. Uh, yeah. But but how did you how did you get discovered? How did you first get into that show business connection? Well, um, I, I um, actually met my manager, Chris Stokes, at a talent show. 
And uh, he was putting together a group, of course, Immature. And that's where I started, you know, uh, started Immature and, you know, went from Immature to uh, successful sold out shows and everything. Immature was huge, um, which was a, a super blessing for me to be able to, to uh, you know, at a young age, really, you know, experience something so great. You know what I mean? Being on tour, being all the screaming girls, it's like, what What more can a young man ask for? You know what I mean? Being a, a teenage heartthrob and then, you know, went on the IMX and then also went on to a, a solo career. And in the mix of all that, I was able to do Sister Sister, you know, and, and Sister Sister taught me so much because, you know, it taught me a lot about the industry. It taught me a lot about professionalism, being on time, you know, having a job. You know, a lot of people don't understand how... Um, you know, how particular it is for you to be on time or to be, you know, this kind of way as, as a child star, you know, you just, there's so much going on, you know, uh, I was able to, to kind of like, you know, take it all in and really, really, you know, treat it as a professional job. And you, I learned that early, which was, was, which helped me, you know, uh, growing up, you know, understand the, the importance of, of, you know, just being on time and being nice to people and, and understanding the, the industry. So, and then that, you know, had a solo career as, a, as an artist. And uh, like you said, MH, and then my first album in 2003. Um, and just from there, just, you know, that was able to be successful. And then after that, I kind of got into writing and producing films. You know, uh, uh, Chris Stokes, he was my manager and he ended up being my business partner. We started Footage Films in 2016. And here we are now, you know, 20 something movies later and, and, and we're here. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just been an outstanding career for me. And I just I thank uh, I thank God. And I just thank all of everybody out there that supported me through everything that I've been through in my career. Just, you know, from from point A to now. And, and you know, we just we're going to see where it goes from here. So uh, Chris Stokes has been your manager or your mentor all your life. I mean, going back to yeah. the early. How, how did you Absolutely. first meet uh, we met at a talent show, you know, he was, uh, he was looking to put together a group and, you know, he's been in the industry. I think his mom introduced him to the industry really early on and he was in the industry for a long time. You know, he was uh, did television shows and music and everything like that. He was putting together a group, you know, and, and, and we met at a talent show and we did immature and the rest is history, you know? Yeah. So now prior to breaking it big with immature, um, had you had, uh, singing and acting experience beforehand. I know you mentioned the talent show. Was was there anything more oh, big or immature? No, not not at all. I would just do the, the talent show every year at my school, and you know that's that's just, it. Kind of like popped off for me. It wasn't really a plan. I was I was like eight eight or nine years old when I started, and you know I really wasn't really thinking of of it as being a career because you know that young you're not really thinking no career goals. It's just like I'm having fun. I love I love to dance. I love to sing. You know, I grew up singing and dancing in my house, you know, but but nothing really too serious. So, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, of course, this is this is, you know, ABC came out another bad creation. And I remember them being so young and me looking at them like, oh, man, like they young, they're my age. I could do that. And, you know, yeah. so that's kind of how, how it happened. You know, they were like my influence when I was when I was younger. Now, uh, you know, going to your immature days, I, like watching your music videos and, and listening to the songs. I mean, you guys broke out. I think you were maybe you were like, what, 10 or 11 when the first album came out, something like that. We were like nine when our first album on our worst behavior came out or like nine or 10. And it didn't really do too well. But then uh, the next what what really catapulted us is when we did Never Lie. Playtime is over the next album. And we were 12 when that happened. And that it just 
from there, it just took off and we never looked back. Yeah, and, and, and you uh, are singing these beautifully written, fairly mature love songs. And I guess I w- want to get your perspective <laughs> You know, from being a young teenager, preteen, you know, singing those songs as you are trying to like gradually comprehend what love and sexuality is when you're growing yeah. up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because you you know you get these groups and they're singing about these love songs, and I was singing about it, but you know, I really didn't know what it was about. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And I'm like, you know, but I was very very mature, so I, I understood it, but I just wasn't going through it yet. But I could I could I could fathom what you know somebody else i'm like obviously this is you know if if you're singing about a girl and you're singing about this and that you know i knew what it was about you know but you know i just hadn't experienced it yet i hadn't experienced love and and until i got you know well off in my teenage years <laughs> <laughs> well you know obviously i i talked about fangirling in the beginning uh but for you literally uh lots of female fans as you were uh, growing up uh, as part of the group immature can you tell me about the like most insane fangirl experience you've had Oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> or, or just one of them. I, I, I would say uh, one. Let me see. Uh, huh. Let's see. I would say the the biggest fangirl experience for for me would have been. Um, I think one of the shows that we did. It was like Washington D.C. Um, a girl was like in our dressing room. And she just like kind of like shocked us and busted out. And we didn't know where she came from, but she was just like in there and she was like screaming and stuff like that. And our security had to like get her out. And it was just, it was like crazy. And then one time we were in London, and I think uh, another thing is this girl got so excited, she slapped uh, Jerome, Romeo, like slapped him in the face. And we, we were like, just like, oh my gosh. And then, and then another one, I like I have so many stories that are coming up now. Another one, and he's always happened to Rome. I don't know why they always happen to him. Like, uh, <laughs> We were taking a picture with a girl and she sat on his lap and, and actually wet herself. And, oh, and wow. it was like, it, he was like, oh, she just, you know, kind of peed on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, it, like I said, it, there's so many stories, but, you know, those are just the ones that kind of like stick out. Yeah. And, and, and I think I read this story. How did you get, how did you come up with the nickname Batman for, for the group Immature? I was, I was, uh, we were at a BRE convention and I had the, the Batman underwear on my head and, and, and I don't know why, but every time somebody asks my name, I would just flip the drawers up and it said Batman. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's my name. I, it was like, kind of, I don't know if it started off as a joke or what I was thinking in my head, but I was just like, Hey, it's, I always grew up, I, I loved Batman as, as a kid. So, you know, it's just kind of fit. Uh, I've always wanted to ask you about the, uh, the perm, the hairstyles that you went through uh, during those years. Um, yeah. What was that like? Did it destroy your hair for a while? Like, I mean, how, how did you... <laughs> well, you know, uh, we were big Michael Jackson fans. I grew up being a big Michael Jackson fan and, and DJ quick and Snoop Dogg, you know, it was, it was like a gangster thing. You know what I mean? And we were like, you know, we grew up in LA, you know, you had DJ quick, he had permed out, you know, Snoop Dogg had it, you know, so we were like, you know, Snoop Dogg can rock it and we can rock it too. You know, so that, that's really what it came. It came from the, the, like the Snoop Dogg era and the DJ quick. I remember watching because I was a DJ quick fan and a Snoop Dogg fan. And I was like, I want to get my hair like that. So that's, that's kind of like how, how it came. And, you know, wow. of course it was a lot of heat damaged on my hair for a lot of years but you know it's just i was young so it didn't matter <laughs> so is imx now that you guys are known as imx are you guys reuniting or is that still kind of up in the air we we, we did we did reunite for a, a 
a show. I think it was a couple it was right before the pandemic. We did a show. Uh, we were doing a tour, and uh, the tour ended up getting canceled because you know we just kind of couldn't get it together and get it to work. But we ended up doing a sold out show in Dallas, and it was it was it was amazing. So you know that was like our kind of like our our farewell, but also reuniting thing. I don't think it's you're gonna see any more anything from Immature IMX anytime soon. But, uh, you know, we had a great run and those are my boys for, for life. You know what I mean? Those are like my best friends. So, you know, it's always, we're always going to be family. But as far as the group, I think, you know, that's not something that I want to like revisit or anything or, or go back to as, as a grown up. You know, I feel like where my career is going now with far as uh, film and, and producing and writing and stuff like that, that's kind of where I, I see myself going. Yeah. So let's talk about your current film, Howard High. I mean, uh, this to me, when I read the summary of this, it it, it feels like uh, almost like a 2022 version of You Got Served, which, of course, I, I loved from back in the day. Can you tell us what Howard High is all about? Well, Howard High, there's a few elements to Howard High. So the, the main core story uh, follows Nikki Ross, who's played by Chrissy Stokes, who's Chris Stokes' daughter. Um, and it's really about her finding herself and, and finding her voice and coming of age, her story and her story in high school and just being a high school student that just doesn't know the answers yet. And she's trying to find those answers. In the interim of her trying to find those answers, she finds herself wrapped into this love triangle with her guy best friend, Devin, and also this new guy, Mateo, that she just meets. And it's kind of like, okay, Mateo, Devin, whatever. Yeah. And with that, my character, I played Michael Kirsch, who's the music teacher at the Performing Arts Program at Howard High. And the, the big idea is, is we have a huge competition. It's $250,000 grand prize that the school gets if we win the competition. Now, um, you know, so we're all getting prepared for that. We're all excited about that. And then we get hit with a bombshell that pretty much if you guys don't win this competition and win this money, the Performing Arts Program is toast. It's done. It's canceled. So that's the conflict. And then also we got the the, uh, the legendary Keith Sweat who plays uh, nice. in the turn. And he plays my mentor, my character's mentor. He's the person who mentored me, taught me everything I know about performing arts. And he is the music director at the, the rivalry school that we're going up against. So then we have this rivalry and it, it becomes personal for me because I'm like, not only do I want to win this competition, but now the man that taught me everything I know that is telling me I can't be, I can't beat him. Now I got to beat him. So then I have a personal rivalry with him and it's all a personal vendetta. What we're trying to, you know, get accomplished with Howard high and all these, these reasons why, you know, it's personal, but then it comes to just everybody working together. It's not about the personal, you know, what we feel personally, but everybody working as a unit to, to come together and win this competition. Because if we don't win, then we're done. So it, you got a lot of that. And you got the, the, the situation where, you know, uh, young Q is, is dealing with a situation where he has to, you know, do what he has to do to survive. You know, he's, he's not making enough money and he drops out of school. So there's there's an authenticity to Howard High that I think Chris Stokes really did a great job of doing as far as, as directing it and really making it feel you feel that intensity that you felt when you got served. You know, when you got served, that was the first time you know, we had seen battle dancing where he put you in the middle of it, you know, and, and seeing like that intensity and how, how, how it, it felt to the dancers, you know, and you got served. And I feel like this one, you know, it really tells that same, you know, narrative as far as how important 
dance, music, and, and that is to the culture. And I feel like this is definitely going to revolutionize the way we see musicals. It's a little bit different from your average musical that's just like, you know, like Hairspray or, you know, back in the day of those musicals, you know, it's it's really just like, it's real. And it, it you don't even really notice that it's breaking out in song. And it's like, you just find yourself dancing to the song. Like, Wait, are they are they actually really singing? They're jumping on top of tables. You know, Jay Bud from B2K, he's jumping on top of tables in his classroom, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> it's like, it's like, this is crazy, but it makes you, it puts you in, in the moment. And I think that's what's important for films nowadays to, to put you in that moment and make you feel like you're actually a part of it. And I think that's what we did with Howard High. And I think it's, it's going to be a phenomenal thing. And I'm, I can't wait for everybody to, to enjoy this. Now, it's, uh, I believe it's released on Tubi. Is that what yep. it is? Yeah. So Tubi is a free streaming service uh, through Fox and, and um, it's, it's really uh, shout out to the executives at Fox and Tubi for allowing us to tell our story with Howard High. You know, uh, Tubi such doing such a great job of, of streaming this uh, African-American content that, you know, that I feel like it's, it's really important to our culture that we that we get to see these these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. important to us, you know, being footage films, me and Chris, our film company, to be able to tell these stories to the world is it's, it's really cool that we have you know different outlets like Tubi um to to be able to tell our stories to people out and get them to people out there and it's free so it's it's I mean what's what's better than free <laughs> how you became a dad in December if I'm not mistaken yeah. had life man I mean first time dad oh man it's it's beautiful uh you know it's, I, I say being a husband and a father is is my greatest accomplishment it's it's greater than anything i've I've done in my life you know and not to take away from anything that I've done you know career wise that's important to me and I, I really appreciate all the support and love I've got throughout my career but being a father is is just it's different man and being a husband just you know really having a family is is incredible and it, it only helps the journey you know yeah. Uh, so I love what you're doing. It, it seems like you're really making a stride, uh, you know, writer, director, actor with this uh, footage films uh, production company that you established with Chris Stokes. Uh, so are you planning to primarily focus in that direction or are you going to balance it out with your solo singing music career? Um, everything in life is a balance, you know, yeah. uh, and, and I, I feel like, you know, I'm really, really focused on footage films and, and create content where people can love it and, and really bringing these authentic stories to the world and but i also i love music and i'm always gonna love music and it's always gonna be a part of me so you know you never know (laughs) what we can expect musically but you know right now the focus is you know just uh just bringing entertainment to the world you know and i'm just blessed to be able to have done it so young and to continue to do what i love and entertain people and bring people entertainment and just you know be successful at it so I just thank, you know, I thank God every day. And I just thank all the, the love and support that I gave from everybody. That's the luck with the film. It's Marcus Houston from Howard High. I, I appreciate you talking with me. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Rebecca Adams, uh, my the, the famed host and producer, I'm assuming as well, of the yeah. stories of female infidelity podcast. Raw Truths, I should say. Raw Truths, stories of, of female infidelity. Correct. Uh, I mean, look, listening to this podcast, I naturally just want to know how did this idea start? So there's the long version and then there's the longer version. <laughs> no, Give me actually, the longer version. I had never really listened to podcasts ever. And um, 
a coworker of mine had talked about, you know, my favorite, the, my favorite murder podcast, which I'm a, a big true crime type person. And so yeah. in my mind, podcasts to me, cause I'd always seen on the old, um, like the old iPods. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And I always thought it was just some weird sci-fi weird things that people did and so once I started listening to that and I realized there was this whole world right um out there and so I thought well that might be kind of cool and I talked to my husband who is the one that had passed away back in 2020 um and he's like we should do a podcast I'm like we how about me what do you have to talk about right because giving him a hard time and it was about my own past with my ex-husband. Um, and so, of course, just being a fan of being, a, being in the podcast world and, and um, using my voice on other things, something, stuff as simple as professional on-hold recordings for offices that I'd work for, or I've been a singer my whole life. I thought, well, this could be a good way to still use my voice. <laughs> plus i yeah. talk all the time um and so i started kind of looking into it and i've dealt with um mixing as far as like music and stuff just real minimum things and just the ear side of it um and so i started looking into it and then i joined a podcast group and um phil bird reached out to me and he's a coach the podcast doctor and so he kind of helped get me in the direction that I wanted to go. I had recorded like a, a practice one kind of a thing. And he said, you have this, this, this is perfect. The, the topic is one of its own. There is no other topic out there like this um, as far as the view that I was looking at and the fact that I have real life experience. When I was married to my ex-husband, I was an unfaithful wife during the last few years of the marriage. I mean, I was slutting all over town. Is this rated PG or rated R? I mean, uh, I can tell. Uh, I mean, you can say whatever you want. I mean, me, <laughs> okay. me, me and Andrew have said much worse than what you're saying yeah, right now. So you have seen bits and pieces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, he gave me some guidance and I opened it up. So I wanted a place. So, you know, when it comes to infidelity, I can't speak for how men feel um but from a woman's standpoint you know women tend to cheat for different reasons than men statistically and i'm not saying that that's you know the rule uh, that's exactly how it goes there are exceptions but um i knew that when i was doing what i was doing i knew it was wrong but in my case it became an addiction in a way um there was nobody to talk to to help you really figure out if you do talk about it you're instantly judged as a horse let you know horrible woman because women don't do things like that <laughs> they do <laughs> and um i just remember feeling completely and totally alone and i did confide in my best friend we've been friends since we were seven and it was so much for her to bear and Carrie, she didn't know how to deal with it. Eventually, my husband was kind of getting an idea that something was up and she ended up, I don't know how they ended up talking when they did, but she told him everything, you know? And so I don't want other people to feel 
like they're alone or another person to have to take on a burden. Because if you do confide in somebody, you feel like you're betraying your friend. If you talk about it, you feel like you're betraying your friend's spouse. You just feel like a bad person. You know, all this stuff's going on and you have to pretend. So for me to put that on her was wrong, you know, in my eyes still to this day, even though she completely and totally made the whole thing blow up. She actually did a really good thing for me and it was on me. I mean, I was the one that made the choices. I have to deal with the consequences and she still to this day feels bad. And I said, I don't want you to feel bad. You did what you knew was right. And I'm thankful because you put me in a direction that I needed to be in Um, a healthier emotional for everybody. It was hell for 10 or 12 years, 10 years until my son graduated from high school. So it was about nine years of hell. Um, and I can get to that later, but it's, um, it was, I was able to see as time went on that what I did to her was not fair either. And so by having this podcast, my goal was for women who like I was, um, to have a place to write out their story, to have other people listen or for the listeners to listen to other stories and go, thank God, I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. These people are going through the same thing. Where are you going to find that? You know, unless you are in some sort of support group like Alcoholics Anonymous or Sex Addiction Anonymous or whatever. Okay, those seem to be topics that are okay to discuss. But women cheating is never okay to talk about. Um, and it's it's very taboo. And I'm tired of that... <laughs> that expectation or just how things are in society that women are absolute shitty people when they cheat if men cheat oh they're men they're dogs you know they got to spread their seed everywhere it's a little more acceptable it's still painful for all parties involved but it's more acceptable um and but for women it's absolutely forbidden i mean go back to the book the scarlet letter Granted, it was not a true story, but still the the time and place of it, she had to wear the letter that, um, of course, here now I'm spacing out on what the (laughs) (laughs) letter was, I I don't remember, it it was uh, A, duh, it was A for adulterer. Now, if I remember right in the story, and I could be wrong, the husband had other partners, you know, you go back, the kings, the, any situation in any kind of era, the men, it was normal for them to have multiple women in their lives, aside from their wife, it was acceptable. Oh, but if a woman did it, if a woman had been uh, bedded prior to a marriage, I mean, all these things, she's a bad person. And so that's, stigma sucks so i've been out there trying to make a change for these women who are faced with that and (laughs) and it's it's working to help those people who need it there is no other podcast like this it's typically you'll hear about it's a lot of infidelity support usually for the women whose husbands cheated or for couples therapy and stuff, but never from the side of this is why I did it. 
this is why I am doing it. This is the situation I'm struggling with in my marriage. I don't want to hurt my children. I don't want to lose all of this. How do I save face in this uh, temporary time where my kids are still little? How do you know all these things that we as women have to face? Um, men, maybe they don't think about it that way. I don't know because I'm not a man. Um, but it's different, definitely a different side of looking at infidelity. And then what I also do is take it a step further and I discuss, um, or I have men send in these stories of what they went through when their wives cheated. So again, it's kind of the same. It's all around female infidelity. That's my main purpose here. Um, but again, you don't hear that where a man, a man, when he has to find out that his wife's cheated, they feel emasculated. They feel like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, and they don't understand a lot of the times. If you get a hold of somebody like my ex-husband, he just liked to, uh, to point fingers and say, I was perfect. You did this. It's like, no, let's back the boat up a little bit. Let's talk about what we were doing with our neighbors and how inappropriate behavior was encouraged and how if I felt uncomfortable you'd get pissed off at me you know not he wasn't able to really see that maybe his encouragement ultimately gave my mind thoughts to stray which was again it's totally my choice I made that choice to do it um but he wasn't fully innocent in it and uh, what I'm finding is men are listening to the women's stories and they're coming to me and saying, it's helping me to understand. I can hear in this story how my wife felt that same way. And now I understand more because sometimes when you hear it outside of your own circle, you, you can relate to it a little differently or understand it. But when it's too close to you in personal you know, yeah. you don't want to necessarily look at it and say, hey, yeah, you're right. I totally F that up. Um, but when they hear it from these different people's point of view, it's helping them cope with whatever their situation was with the infidelity. Um, or they will send in their stories to me and tell me it was so good to be able to write this out. I've never talked about it. I've never really had to go into it. And so I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, but knowing that I'm able to help them pull out those things and talk about it and get it out in writing, so to speak, it's helping them move forward. And it's, it's, it feels good to know that I'm making a difference. I'm not condoning infidelity and I make that clear. If you can avoid it, avoid it because it's hell to pay on everybody involved. But if you're gonna do it, then you need to think about these situations that could occur. You know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta think outside the box that this isn't a healthy thing, but most people are going to do it without thinking about it. And then they, they want to talk about their situation and how they're now being blackmailed by their partner mm. or, you know, there's so many different scenarios. So ultimately my goal was to be able to be there and, and make a difference to other women who were like me. And I'm so lucky that I have had a lot of positive feedback. I've had my negative, um, but I've had a lot of positive. And I hear whenever I get a message and they say, I came across your podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. 
it makes me feel I'm not alone and I don't know what to do. They get themselves in a situation they can't get out of. And they just know that they're not by themselves, even though they feel like it. And again, the men who go through it as well, they know that they're not alone and that it wasn't necessarily their fault a hundred percent. It wasn't the, and I, and some people get frustrated that I'll say this and other people have said it too, but it's those people who cheat, it is a hundred percent their decision to cheat and it's a hundred percent their consequences. But what were the scenarios or the, the life over the last few years that may have led this person to make the decision that was a hundred percent theirs, you know, you get beat up so many times after standing up after a while, you just learn not to stand up. Right. And I know that seems like an extreme example, but if you're in a situation, and again, I can only really talk from a female where you have a husband who doesn't want to touch you or makes you feel like you're ugly or a hurtful, or they just don't want to do stuff with you or they're having their own addiction problems and you're doing everything you can you feel to save this marriage to do what you can and all of a sudden out of the blue you your coworker says something to you it makes your mind wander and then you go to lunch with this person and they're feeling those voids that this person that you really would prefer to be filling your voids with just happens to fall right in and when relationships first start you're dealing with that excitement that limerence and all of that and affairs will float on that for a long time because it's the sneakiness the excitement the newness you know because in any relationship after several months it's like yeah 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 it's the same you know you fall into that routine um and whether you can withstand that and and people who want to try and uh, leave their spouses for their affair partner. I'm always like, yeah, it's never a good idea to do that because yeah. you're not living with this person. You're not really with this person full time. You don't know who they are really. You see them in the excitement phase that, oh my God, I haven't been able to see you in three days and all of that, like during a new relationship, but until you really have that time. And most of the time, if that happens, those relationships will fail. And the one thing that I tell to people, and it was something that I had learned from my ex-husband after all of this, was you cannot build a new foundation of life off of ashes. You can't have destroyed a relationship to try and build this new, you know, healthy, strong, because it was started already on shaky ground. Um, Not saying it doesn't work for some, but for the most part, it doesn't. So that's the long long story <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow i mean Ed, and, and thank you for that i mean i um i i i mean i i don't know where to follow up after that i mean i i guess um what i want to ask is sort of um your definition of what infidelity is because i noticed that um you know, and, and episodes like uh, the Ivana one, like the, I heard the first part of the Ivana episode, that was interesting to me in that, and I hope I'm not spoiling it too much, but essentially, you know, just, this woman, what's that? Oh, I'm just trying to remember, I've done hundreds of them. And so I, in my mind, I'm going, which one was hers? And so 
Well, l- let me let me see if I can refresh it correctly. This is the woman who uh, had a very high sexual desire and it wasn't being met by her husband. Uh, and I believe her husband um, had a coma. And ever since then, their uh, marriage okay. just kind of spritz. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it just turned out that he just didn't have any sexual desire anymore. And I guess along the way, in the first part of that story, yeah. it seemed like he was... And it, it looked like there was an argument that caused this, that he essentially gave her permission to, mm-hmm. you know, go out and, and have sex if that's what, what her desire is. And I don't know, it just led me to wondering, like, huh, um, is that perceived as uh, infidelity to go outside of your relationship if you essentially have permission for, for, from your partner? Or can that be defined as an open relationship, a poly relationship? Uh, I guess yeah. I want to get your thoughts on it's that's a tough one because typically in open relationships and this is just and i'm not a professional when it comes to any of that type of different other than if i'm not a professional professional anyways but um from what i've learned and talked with people of course open relationships like that typically there are the spouses agree on a person like if i'm in a relationship and I want to date, this person has to really kind of get to know my spouse and you get the okay from that person. So it's almost like, yeah, or no, this is a bad one. I don't want you around him. Or yeah, he seems cool. Go have fun, you know? And so that polyamorous, they're usually, and if I understand this right from one of my episodes too, is it's kind of like they're it's almost like a group relationship in a way Uh from what I understand. Um, Not as opposed to like polygamy where he's married and has multiple wives, but sometimes, you know, the men are, I don't know. And the women, I don't know if they, you know, if it's all sexual, but they love each other, like no other, you know, I love this man and I love my husband. And, you know, we all, sometimes people live together and maybe she's with this man or with this man. And, and it's all loving, not saying that the two men are hooking up or the two women are hooking up. It's just, it's to me, still polyamorous relationships can be confusing. Um, but in her case, because she hadn't ever really said, Hey honey, I'm dating this guy. His name is Jim or whatever. To me, she's still being um, it's under the radar. So in a, in a yeah. sense, because there's no transparency, she's not telling him the straight out truth. And yeah, uh-huh. it's still deceptive um, infidelity. And maybe he knows in his gut, but he doesn't want to know. One of yeah. those, um, what I don't know can't hurt me kind of a thing or what he doesn't know can't hurt him. Um, he probably suspects she's out there because their relationship if i remember right um is good now better probably because she's now getting those needs met emotionally by other people um or physically that she doesn't feel her husband was able to give her so this is working for her um apparently it's working for him because he has no wants or desires or anything he just needs to be who he is but when you look at it from the standpoint of the fact that she's not really come out and said to him directly, I think it still would be considered infidelity. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and, and Andrew, feel free to jump in uh, whenever you'd like. Um, so, He's like, so I, 
<laughs> like what is all this stuff for me i 100 percent agree my goal relationship is an open relationship and that's because myself and my own past i have been inf- infidel infidel no infidel is a- <laughs> i have don't be an infidel <laughs> unfaithful? <laughs> are you trying I- to think of the word unfaithful or Right, well, I've been the cheater in multiple relationships. Okay, so you've been the unfaithful partner or the wayward spouse or whatever they call it. Yeah, maybe the wayward spouse, something like that. And I'm like, I understand my concept and why I cheated and what's behind it because there were needs that weren't met by my partners. And there was also expectations that weren't clearly set for what this relationship's going to be. Myself, I love the idea of an open relationship because... Yes, I have my partner, but sometimes I want to go out and try a little bit of Kevin one night, or maybe right. I want to, um, or maybe I build a connection with Ken and it's just really deep, but you are still the person I come home to. And right. so the way I think about it, but then also I pose it to you as a question, have you heard from people in open relationships coming to you for advice or talking about a situation where they feel they have cheated, even though the relationship boundaries are open with their partner? I do actually have a three-part story. Um, the very first episode of that story is on the regular podcast platform, and then the other two are on my Patreon So, (laughs) you know, you give the tease and then they have to, and the situation was a a couple were married young, Um, their sexual relationship had never been real exciting or whatever. Um, They lost weight, they started feeling good with one another. Um, She was always curious, he was always curious, they discussed an open relationship. So they, at that point... Actually, I think it went into swinging first. I cannot recall. So it was either swinging first or open relationship, but they tried both. So with swinging, the partner is there and involved in it and they're doing with whatever at the same time, you know, it's purely sexual, right? And in the open relationship, it'll actually turn into um, some sort of a relationship, but yes, you still have your current steady partner that you're with. Um, it got to get to the point where in open relationships, you've got to be able to tell your partner, whatever you're, I'm going to go hang with Kevin tonight or whatever. When the people start lying about it, when they're starting to develop feelings and not talking to their spouse or partner about it, um, it backfires because then all of a sudden, even though we're okay, because we had discussed being with other people, we make that decision together. And that's what I was saying earlier, vetoing it or saying, okay, there could be somebody that's vetoed, but this person still wants to see him. And under the radar, they start seeing him, but not telling their partner. Then that would be infidelity again, because that's not a, they're not, again, transparency. They're not being open and honest about it. And so, yeah, that could happen. So what did he do? He did the same thing. And so he's like, I know she's doing this. So I did it too. So they went from married young to trying out swinging, which was apparently good for them. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm wondering if it was the open to the swing. I can't remember, but, um, and then realizing that both of them 
were kind of going off in different directions of infidelity altogether. So he, you know, to this day, he still would know that his wife was doing things, but lying about it sure as hell, he's doing the same thing. And, um, that's, that's what happens. They realize that it doesn't always work. And I personally couldn't handle being in a swinging situation or in an open relationship because I'm too jealous. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. But, um, so I wouldn't know really truly from my own personal experience. Um, but from what I've learned, I can easily see how if your partner isn't meeting those needs and all of a sudden, even though they've given you permission and they're okay with it, and you see this person that suddenly is, all of a sudden, it just really puts your marriage at risk. So I really think it takes a unique um, set of circumstances and people and personalities and open-mindedness to be able to truly survive relationships like this. And people will say they'll be jealous, even in polyamorous at first, they're like, but she, even though I'm there, I, it, I, it was hard for me to see my husband with her, you know, or whatever. And so I, I think it's hard on people. And then, and from what people told me it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually I was going to ask, uh, if, uh, when you were with your ex-husband and you were cheating, if the desire for, an open relationship played into it, but you answered my question there. So um, I guess I just wanted to like dive into that if you're willing to share, like what, um, I mean, did did you discover what was like the the root cause of of all that cheating you did? Was there something that your ex-husband wasn't giving you that you found in in these other experiences? Like what what led to all those those, uh, infidelities? Well, and it's funny, just stepping back a second to where you're talking about the open relationship. When I was cheating severely, I kept telling him, go find somebody else. Why don't you go do this? And he would be like, why? And that was my own way of trying to um, deflect in a way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will do, a lot of times people will accuse somebody else of cheating when they are, that's a form of deflection for it or to rid themselves of guilt. Well, if I give them permission, then they don't need to know about what I'm doing and you know, it's all up here. Um, so for me, what had happened was we had moved into a new neighborhood and we had developed friendships with two families, one on either side of our homes. And it, we'd all go camping and hang out and it was fun. And one of the neighbors, he, he pissed me off more than ever. He just irritated the hell out of me and I couldn't stand him. Um, we had a hot tub at one point and everybody would come over and then people would drink. Everybody would loosen up before you know it. The neighbors got her shirt off. Oh, why not? We'll do this. I mean, there'd be times when one of the neighbors was just bent over talking to me in the hot tub and her husband was screwing her from behind. I mean, it just really became a very, you know, people thought we were swinging. We weren't. Um, there were inappropriate things when people were drunk with one wife trying to screw around with a husband and, you know, but people were there, but it would piss off the other wife or whatever. So eventually the person that I absolutely hated and couldn't stand for whatever reason, it turned into a, about a three-year affair with him. Nothing more than just sneaking around, right? And he, he, this wasn't his first rodeo. 
I mean, this man had probably cheated on her multiple times. In fact, um, he told me that if I ever said anything, he would kill me. Wow. And so, you know, I never revealed that information to anybody. I'm sure if anybody's watching this video and sees this, they'd see it, but this has been a long time and it, and there's been a lot of, um, things have changed in life now. So it's in the past and it is what it is. And it's the truth. And it's good to be honest about it. Um, the, when my husband found out now, this wasn't the first time because I started having an affair with somebody else at the same time. And I told him about that, but I never told him about the neighbor at that point in time. Um, so we were kind of recovered from that, but it, it still kind of with the neighbor had continued on. Um, and he said to me, and I said, well, so-and-so she kissed you in the kitchen or what about her trying to suck his dick? She was, um, had her foot all over my husband's junk, you know, that kind of stuff. And his excuse, his reasoning why that was okay was because we were all together. It wasn't hiding behind. And I see his point and I agree with it to a certain point, but it still was wrong. And one thing that I learned from my husband that passed away too was I had never, should have never been put in that situation to begin with as a couple or a spouse. He said, if that had happened anywhere, I would have taken you and we would have left that is not sacred to do. This is not okay. And this was how he felt, you know, with his Christian background and everything like that. And it was true. And then I think back to my ex-husband, I'm like, why would you allow that to have happened? Was I not that, you know, important to you? So I would kind of turn it around and be like, don't you remember, you know, if you valued me as your wife, why would you let me be exposed to this? Or why would you say like, hey guys, this is not okay. No, he was having a great time. And so I chose to take it obviously and turn it into a snowball and fell straight into hell from there. But it's, you know, that that's kind of how it begun. Um, and some of the reasons why was, I got married at 18 years old, so I didn't have a lot of experiences. Um, I became widowed at 24 for the first time. My first husband committed suicide. I remarried this man who I had known from high school and not much time had gone by. And again, I was young, I had a three-year-old and I married him. Now, what I was thinking of for him was how I remembered him in high school, not how I would have remembered him eight years or seven years, whatever it was after high school. Um, he was a very large man, short and obese. And I tried to not let that be a, a problem in my mind. I remember feeling like, oh, he's unhealthy. He's not attractive because of his size. Um, we all go through weight fluctuations. I mean, I know I do, so I don't want to be a hypocrite or anything like that. But it was just... Um, Hard. I didn't want to be around him physically after time. I'm surprised we even have our son because, you know, it was that minimal that I wanted to be with him. Then all of a sudden I have somebody else who is interested in me, you know, oh, huh. It turned into a game. I had been working out at the gym. I was feeling good. Well, if I could get this one, can I get this one? Can I get this one? 
I didn't care if they were married or in a relationship. It was almost like I had some sort of an addiction that I'll admit to that excitement. And a therapist even told me once, you know, you're just an excitement junkie. That pissed me off the way she put it. Again, I can understand what she meant. Had I wished, though, she had put it in more of a professional, like I feel that you have the need to constantly feel this excitement. I would have understood it to be called an excitement junkie, made me feel like I was a drug junkie or something else that I didn't why would you say that to me kind of a thing? She was right. I just didn't understand what she meant really truly by it. And it was true. As I look back, I can see that, you know, I was living on the excitement. I was living on how much I could get away with. And, you know, I, I, I guess in terms of, you know, these wonderful women that are sharing these stories of their infidelities on their podcast, how were you're able to get to a point where you gradually got all these stories just by the numbers. And also what specifically can you say about you that makes that, or that, that allows these women and, you know, and also these men when they portray their side, mm-hmm. what, what is it about you that uh, thinks is so trusting that, you know, these people are, you know, trusting you with their story yeah. and they know that it's going to be shared respectfully. Well, you know, at first it's like, yeah, how do you get these stories? How do you do this? I went into a bunch of groups, relationship groups, and started telling people what I was doing. And I had people say, you know what, I'll share, you know, and it was at the beginning. So as the earlier episodes go versus now, you know, a lot has changed as far as that goes. But a lot of people will say, I've heard your podcast, your voice is calming to me, it's comfortable. I'm real open and honest about things. I am like, you want to know my story? I tell you everything you want to know. Go listen to episodes one and two. I'm not holding back. Plus, I tell everybody um, everything is anonymous. The only person that gets the stories are me. And I change names. I um, encourage if people want to, if they want to bring up, well, we went to Los Angeles. Maybe you will say we went to Cincinnati instead. You know, I just... uh, try and protect as much as possible because a lot of people are scared i know somebody's going to know this chances are even if somebody did hear it that you know they're not going to be able to pin it on that specific person because when you listen to every story there is uniqueness in the fact that every situation is different but then there's also a lot of similarities you know and these women are cheating or the men or whatever it was were cheated on Um, the likelihood of anybody really truly knowing that we're talking about this one specific person in this tiny little town in the Southern state in 2015, you know, (laughs) is really low. And I think because my numbers have grown, um, I think people are starting to hear it more and more. It, you know, how we are with podcasts, right? As we start to the numbers grow for whatever reason. I've done a lot of advertisements too, to try and get people to just tune in and know that they're not alone. Or um, I respond to them. I don't treat them like an autopilot um, response. You know, I'll get 
out of the blue just yesterday i got a new story hey rebecca here's my story and i responded back i said have you and i talked before you know have we because sometimes if it's on facebook or my email like the names are different on facebook versus what it says on their email you know and uh they'll say no or you know, if we've talked before, I've just tried to make myself as available as I can, but still set boundaries to make these people understand or help them understand. I don't like to make anybody do anything to help them understand that truly I've got their back. I can relate. I can understand. And it's safe with me. And because I've continued moving forward, um, I think people can just feel that trust, I guess. And go to my website, if they message me, I will answer them always. If they're inappropriate, I'm not going to. If and no, I'm sorry. So, um, and I'm wondering if you've received any um, trolling feedback, you know, that sort of reinforces this stigma that, oh, when women cheat, it's just a trashy thing that we should judge endlessly. Have you received any feedback like that when, uh, when there's response to your podcast? Yeah, especially at the beginning of the podcast, when I first started putting it out, so within that first year. And so I started in October of 19. So I would say into, oh gosh, the spring of 20 and on, um, I didn't really receive anything negative last year. I will get perverts that think, oh, we're talking about women cheating and then they're gonna, they're, then they wanna send me some disgusting pornographic type weird story. And it's usually oh. a man that does this. And I'm like, dude, this isn't what I do, goodbye. Um, but I had my website set up as such that people could uh, put on a chat, immediate chat and start chatting, um, but they didn't have to record an email or anything. So it could come through anonymously to me. So I would get, all sorts of shit from people uh now it's set up differently so they kind of need to in order to send a message to me they need to put in an email address and so i haven't gotten it so it's protected me um i was getting one and it almost seemed like they were all coming out of florida and it was multiple ones and i couldn't tell if it was the same person but i'm thinking bottom line if you're so disgusted by my podcast why are you listening it why are you even wasting your energy? But they wouldn't tell me if something had happened to them, which I imagine it had. Um, but come on, just be, you know, talk to me about it if you're frustrated, right? I'll never forget this one. And I posted it, <laughs> probably took it down. Um, and it was something to the effect of, I wish that I could make a mansion or a castle, something like that, made out of the heads of women who have cheated so that I could have sex with them orally until the rot was so bad I couldn't stand it anymore. Wow. Like, and that sounded like almost like that serial. Well, he I don't know if he was considered a serial serial killer. Um, but he did his mom at one point he cut off his mom's head and he did that to her head. And uh, and I'm like, did somebody give this guy the internet? You know, I, and this was back a long time ago when it happened, but he's still living. I just off the top of my head can't remember his name. He's just a big, like six foot five guy. And they did a TV show 
on his character where he was being interviewed to try and understand why he was the way he was and why he had done this and he was talking it's on online and stuff and what he you know you see his mom's head but he would with her head and so when I first read that I was a like this is I think I bursted into tears because I didn't quite know how to handle it um and then I got mad and then I posted <laughs> and made a comment of hey who let what's his butt on the computer you know trying to make a light heart about it so I'd get things like that um other ones would be just like you know women are just these terrible horrible people who ever cheats in the sanctity of marriage but it was always woman directed not necessarily anybody instead of saying you know what i see what you're doing and i disagree with it blah 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 blah. and i always explain to people you know what i'm not condoning it but it's happening out there you know let's talk about it let's not lie let's not make it fake let's not make it pretty let's be real this is the truth this is what happens it's like when people try and erase history don't do that it is what it is we can't change it let's see what we can do going forward <laughs> and i yeah. just wanna yeah i just again the whole purpose of it was for me to try and make a difference and i know that i am making more of a positive difference to the majority of the people as opposed to these people that are no counts if they don't like it i say if you don't like it then don't listen to it nobody's forcing you there's no yeah you know they, they, they they say that your haters are usually your most passionate audience i i don't know why uh there are people out there that like to uh, really just feed out that negative mm-hmm. energy uh it, maybe that's the most uh satisfaction they're getting out of their daily lives um <laughs> from the moment you, you told me that really strange disturbing castle mansion troll story i'm looking at andrew because i want to see what what his reaction was uh andrew because you gave me a facial reaction like you were about to say something what, what was what was what were your thoughts on that so first, we all have to acknowledge that when you said that this letter came from somebody in Florida, we all made the face like, uh, of course. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that with Dad. I was like, no, but then it was just that would it would just give me that area in Florida, but it wouldn't say what. It's just like, nope, Florida, you know what you're going to get. Well, you don't know. Like that letter. The other thing. Let's make sure that gets over to the FBI. I really feel like this person is a serial killer and probably needs a little bit of help. Um, let's make sure somebody sees that. Oh, I've got an obsession with serial killers and that sounds like the beginning of one somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, yikes. But <laughs> aside from that, do you ever hear from people who are the third party in this? So like the person who was maybe the mistress or mister mm-hmm. of the person who was being the cheater in the relationship or the unfaithful. Do you ever hear from the person that they were with who maybe one knew about the other partner and then also on the other hand, maybe didn't know that they had another partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have stories like that. Um, uh, I have some that have come out and then they may be on my let's ponder episodes versus the female infidelity uh, episodes, but um, I've had a woman, she was like the other woman all the time. For whatever reason, she struggled to be in a regular relationship uh, with 
um, a guy that she wanted to be with or whatever. So she ends up being constantly the other woman. So she knows these men she's meeting. And so you might be familiar with that website, Ashley Madison. Have you heard of that? Oh yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually interviewed the CFO from that. He wanted to come on my show. I was so excited. It was early on when I first had it, not, I wasn't condoning having them on, but it was interesting to hear his side of why Ashley Madison is there. But aside from that, the um, a lot of times these people will look on sites like that because they want to be the other person. They want to just, they don't care. Um, and so I've had stories come in where it's from the men's side where he was always the other man. And so he was hooking up with women who were married. Um, and I pulled people asking why. Why does, why do you want to be the other person? What's your benefit to it? And so it's real interesting. A lot of the times for the men, it's like, well, I can have this woman and do all this, but I don't have to um, clean the toilet or unplug the toilet or kill the spider or uh, take care of the kids. You know, they don't ever want to get in that type of a situation. They, they, that person has a husband to take care of that for them okay um and then the women i just i don't know you know i had the one story with a woman being the other woman um all the time and i haven't talked with her in a long time about it um but it it just seemed like she just struggled with regular finding good men that were a good match for her and so she'll find them now but she doesn't have to have that commitment and worry about getting hurt you know what you're going in for in a way, these women may feel safe um, and vice versa, because when you start dating, if you're cheating, that's one thing, right? You both, most of the time, if there's two people, they're cheating and they're married to somebody else, you've got blackmail on your hands, mm. you know, um, but a lot of times too, and it can happen, but these men will be like, well, what do I have to lose? I'm, I'm screwing her. She's not going to tell her husband mm. and I don't want to tell her husband because I don't want to deal with that crap. I just hit it and leave. And, and so it, yeah, there are. So if you get a chance and you check it out there too, because they, um, those stories are of being the other person is, is on there. John, I think you're the one that asked me that. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're, you're good. like, I, oh, he's like, I was just sorry. <laughs> um, call the serial killer people <laughs> i gotta look that yeah. up though before we're done here i gotta figure out which which one of the um serial killers i was thinking of too that was on there um but anyways yes yeah, so i do have stories and that's what my let's ponder uh episodes are about uh, just diff- different topics that a lot of them do consist of um infidelity or what happened but you know, some of them are just goofy, like your weirdest pickup lines, you know, just something to still try and lighten the load because my podcast is heavy. It's yeah. a lot of emotion. And there's been times, and it's usually when I'm reading the men's stories from their point of view of what they went through when their wives were cheating. And I struggle reading it because I know what they're going through because I saw what my ex-husband went through. I know exactly how the women are feeling as these men are browbeating them for what they did whether it was rightfully the right thing to do or not, you know, whether it was right or wrong, that I have to stop recording and take a break because it takes that 
so much energy and so much emotion to, to make it through these things. Um, and so once in a while, it's just fun to kind of lighten the load up and do something goofy. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, cheesy pickup lines, I'm actually in the process of gathering information and this one is disgusting, but it's personal hygiene. And I have a few stories, a few little short, they're just like little few sentences about a woman or man that went out with um, a date and they found out that that person didn't necessarily take care of personal hygiene in certain places and you know and the discovery of what they had to deal with and how they dealt with it so that'll be for a future episode once I get more data on that um I've got one coming up happy endings have you had a happy ending when you go at the spa go to the spa and there's those certain kinds. So if you have one, I need for you to send me your story. <laughs> I need more. I need more than that. And one of them was actually a close friend I went to school with uh, years ago, and he sent it in greatly detailed. It was a, it's a good one. So I'll be putting that on there. But it's like if anybody has that, because it's people that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. These people wouldn't do that, and it does. Uh, so right. I think it's fun to educate and share with people and kind of give them the, oh, are you serious? So yeah. and this, this week comes out, um, it releases on Patreon Friday and then Sunday. Um, I have two coming up. Uh, both of them are about being sweetheart swindled. So kind of like catfishing, but it's money, more so money that's involved. And a good friend of mine, her mother has been for the last seven months, um, over $140,000 she's given to this man that we've been able to track who the picture is that he says he is, um, who he really is. And we've called him on it. I even did a scam on him where, you know, you have those softwares where you can create a picture and it pulls from all these people's different faces and it creates one. So it's not even a real legit person. Um, and made up some story because I got a hold of this person's email. And within two days, he was saying that we were going to get married, that he was loving me, that we were going to start a business. He hadn't started asking for the money. And so we were doing this as a way to show her mom that this person was the scammer. She's from Poland. She doesn't understand how things are. So um, I like to kind of go down that route too of, hey, let's do this. So it's, just makes my job a little bit I don't know it, it, it makes it a little just a little more interesting I guess you could say and things that people want to know about yeah well interesting is certainly an understatement I mean my god you gave us like the, the greatest uh, pitch for your podcast for anybody listening who's never listened before so <laughs> Rebecca Adams thank you so much I mean this was uh, such a great pleasure from uh, raw truths stories of female infidelity uh, just give it all to us how can we find your podcast how can I, we share stories with you I am everywhere it seems like you just google that and you I will pop up um, but I do my website is that raw store uh, raw truth stories of female infidelity.com I have story guides for people meaning that they can look at them and get an idea of how they can write their story it's my email is on the website I'm on Facebook um, Twitter Instagram but the best way to send it is through email just a little bit easier than say through Facebook, but whatever a person decides they want to do, but raw true stories, female infidelity. 
um, that is where people can find me. And um, just one more thing, if I can add it real quick. And I've had a delay because of my husband's death and everything and things have taken time, but I'm in the process of studying to become a uh, certified infidelity recovery specialist. No, coach, not a specialist. I don't even know what I'm doing. Infidelity recovery coach so that I can have more information to help other people. But my goal is to focus mainly on female infidelity. And then I have a memoir in the, in the works too, from as a child losing two husbands and infidelity myself to where I am now. So I've got my hands in all sorts of things. So people tune in, they'll be able to have updates. The Anything Show with John Francois on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Join us on YouTube, facebook.com slash The Anything Show, and Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. Join Andrew Vandertunt on Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy wherever you get podcasts and on Instagram and TikTok at AJ Vandertunt. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.